0: How does it take to become a resilient leader in an organization? And that is what the real big question that I have for you today. And that is also the main conversation I had with the brilliant Shares T. Wilkinson. We discuss about resilience. What really means resilience for a leader today, right? And it goes through communication, self-regulation, and many other things. So, stay with me today this episode is gonna really help you to really become resilient in a situation a complex war where it's so difficult to deal with uncertainty so stay with me we're gonna start in a second i'm sure you're gonna enjoy it so let's get started hi everyone and welcome back to a new episode of the world class leader show today i have the honor to have with me sharez t wilkinson and sharez is the ceo and founder of resilient power she at least until now she received 16 international change maker awards and nomination and is among the top 50 global women to look out for in 2023 she is an important advisor member strategic advisor, international executive communication expert, um, primarily working as well for Forbes, HBR. Um, she has been uh, actually also a best-selling author herself, published on many different types of magazines, important uh, like Forbes, BBC, Tribe Global, and many others. She's also been appointed as Senator for the USA in the World Business Angels Investment Forum and is a member of the Global Woman Leader Committee. That would be an interesting conversation. So thank you for for being with me today in the show, Shares.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: So one of the reasons why I have decided to invite Shares is not only for the the many and a number of awards that she achieved in her career, but also for a couple of things. So, One, I think, is because she's a person that she will give us a very interesting perspective, one of the most important topics that... I think we all see and we face these days, which is really being resilience in a world that is getting very complicated, very complex, and very uncertain. So that is really the main topic of the conversation today. But of course, I want to start with the, you know, with all these important achievements and awards that makes certainly Charest one of the top leaders that we have right now in the world. So very simple question, Charest. I mean, simple as a question. Not sure whether it is is a simple answer, but. You have, you live in Singapore, by the way. Is that correct? Yes. But you are Swiss originally.
1: That's correct.
0: That's yes. correct, too. <laughs> but you have traveled the world as I did. So, one question for you is how has been your life? I mean, given all your achievements, uh, if, you know, if we look at your LinkedIn profile, we'll put a link in, in the show notes. You have done so many brilliant things. So to me, the question is, how did you do that? It sounds like you live two different lives or two lives and we only have one available. So I, I want to understand the secret. And also, how did you cope You know, with all these changes about locations, cities where you lived? And by the way, Singapore is the final one or there is something else You know, in the pipeline? Over to you, Shares. These are many questions,
1: not just one. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Okay, let's untangle it a little bit. Um, yes, I'm originally from Switzerland. And um, I left in 2003 for the first time, so 20 years ago. And since then, I have been all around the world, many different countries. I stayed and lived in various places. And I have always been a self-made person. So I wasn't on company contracts or assignments, but literally choose, chose where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. So that's one. Um, Number two is I'm a single mom. I raise my kids most of the time by myself. And how did I accomplish so much? I think um, it's the flight forward. Mm -hmm. So if you have um, full focus and the day has 24 hours available, you can choose what you're doing with that time. Um, Normal people usually work eight hours a day. For me, it was a lot more most of the time. So that's how. I did so many things over time with full focus and full dedication, one at a time, one after the next. So every year I told myself, I want to learn something new, something completely unfamiliar and really lean into it and get uncomfortable and go through that pain of learning new things and master that skill, really master it. And then once I have done that, then the next. So over years, it piles up.
0: Evidently. Yeah. right it's actually what is called financial in, a, in the financial world a combat they compound interest right so it's yes. compounding one thing at a time and then it becomes a strong and bigger portfolio of things mm-hmm. and i like and i like how you're approaching you know one by one and one at a time was mm-hmm. all the um, awards all the work that you have done is a is a result of a conscious decisions to get to the point where you go or was more like, you know, the typical or classical serendipity where you got opportunities along the way and then you take the opportunity?
1: I think it was a mix of both. Right. So when when I left uh, my country at the time, I left with three suitcases and a box of toys plus my two kids together, we went uh, on a real adventure around the globe in that time. And I had no idea where that is going to leave or what is going to come out of right. it in, in that sense. I just always looked forward and created the opportunities moving forward. So I wasn't really waiting on anyone um, giving me the opportunities or because I wouldn't get them. Mm. I was not in a position or situation where I would have them handed over. I had a car accident when I was 26 years old. I had a 100% invalidity in terms of uh, damages that I had. I wasn't paralyzed, but I, it was very tough. So I wouldn't even be hired to sell bread, for example, you mm. know, just some small jobs. Uh, it, it was absolutely impossible under those circumstances to have a future. So I created it over 30 years, right? Nice. And over the time, you you realize that it's really deliberate choice how you create what you uh, are looking for, what you want to achieve. And it's a specific system and process to it in how you actually can do that successfully. So I've done it over and over and over and over and over again. And then people at some point started asking me, how do you do that? And I really sat down and asked myself the same question and managed over a few years to boil it down to a few key points in regards to resilience. How do you engineer mental, uh, personal resilience in the face of adversity? And uh, yeah, there has been... A few findings that came out of that from real life experience, not because I read a book or went to a seminar or listened to motivational speakers, right. but because I've lived through it. right. And I think I call this the, the specific weight of the soul, if you want. Um, over time, it created a ripple effect. So more and po- more people got to know what I'm doing. And I started my offer journey seven years ago. So after that, over time, it's just one award after the next started coming in. And the first one was from the uh, Global Women Economic Forum. I was invited to New Delhi to receive an award for Exceptional Women of Excellence. And first, I thought it was a joke. I didn't mm. expect any of this in that sense. It was always driven by servant leadership. Where can I make a difference? How can I move? societies organizations or companies forward towards where they could be and get the results that they're looking
0: for yeah right well uh, th- th- that's impressive i mean we we had a little bit of course a chat before that so i'm aware about it you know going back to the car incident and we i don't want to talk about it of course mm-hmm. but it sounds like has been a pivotal experience of course uh, to be really resilient in you and then getting of course i think in a status in in a mental state, by the way, to allow you to get then all the incredible success and career that you built across the years, um, you know, the the main topic of this conversation is about resilience. So you know, yes. and, and that's your that, that's your main focus. I know that is one of the you know you wrote a book about it. You speak about it as well. So if we shift gear for a second and we translate the conversation we've been having so far into the corporate war right so with the leaders right now all over the world they're facing a dilemma how to deal with the current scenario where you know there is a lot of uncertainty that wasn't there before uh, a lot of conditions that are changing and i would say probably everything started from the pandemic and then you know the war and then you know the, the the global supply chain problem so there are in the talent pool issues. So there are so many different issues right now on the table from an external standpoint. But of course, for CEOs and leaders, there are also the internal issues and typical challenge of retaining people, of you know driving execution and so forth. So based on your experience, I think it's a good starting point of the conversation is what is really resilience, and how can we be resilient as a top leaders before driving, you know, into the in, in our entire organization? Because all start from us, right?
1: Right. Um, so when I came to Singapore, I started the company called Resilient Power, mm-hmm. and the name is from the energy space. It means it's a electrical system that cannot be interrupted, not by human error and not our right. natural catastrophe right? So that's the name of the company. And it has been intrinsically motivated due to my story that I just told, but as well, because I do work with multinational companies, sea level executive center teams for the last seven to 10 years, intensely on communication skills, self-regulation skills, team alignment, how to present to stakeholders for higher buying and all these things. And I noticed that there is a certain uh, way you actually can really construct alignment. So when people start to feel uncertain and anxious, the immediate natural human response is projection. We blame it. We blame it on the environment, on the mm-hmm. team, on the company, on other people, on whatever else. But what is rarely ever taught is how do you actually take the steering wheel of your own life in your hands and create actively proactively the outcome that you're looking for and not just in career as well as overall in health and in relationships and your communication and everything else right so it's a combination of multiple factors and to give a bit of meat on the bone what i mean here is within a team let's say you ask me within a corporate environment if you are able to establish a common language and that goes over science based approaches that work Which means everybody learns the same way, for example, how to tailor a message, how to address a a client or a contractor, how to deal with difficult situations, how to present in front of stakeholders. There's certain systems and processes Hmm. to that. If everyone in a team learns the same systems, it takes so much work and energy out of the daily interactions because you're all aligned on the same level. You know exactly what you're talking about, every single one of you. Be the CTO, the CFO, the the CEO, or anyone who is working within that team, you will have a coherent message. This this leads to great team alignment because once you have a common purpose and a vision, then the communication part is sorted, right? If you know and learn how to communicate. Yes. Now the other part, which is very difficult, and that popped up during the p- pandemic uh, a lot, was self-regulation skills, mm. which means how to deal with fear, stress management, time management, um, how to deal with uncertainty, how to be adaptable, how to be proactive, creative, how to think out of the box—all these things. And this is not something that you can just tell somebody, "Oh, you have to be more creative," or <laughs> Think yeah. out of the box, right? That doesn't help. It's not a pushing it, a button. No, it's, it's if you don't explain how exactly to do that and how to engineer that outcome that you actually want to achieve, how on earth are people supposed to know how to deliver on those targets, right? So both combined together, communication and self-regulation skills aligned within a team is extremely powerful. And the best example that I had was one company I was working with. It's a multinational Fortune 500 company. Um, They have an arm that split off of the general operations. And the entire team that I was working with during the pandemic moved over together to the new arm. And that's very rare to happen. Most of the time, people quit when Mm -hmm. things get tough. They look for other opportunities or they think somewhere else pastures are greener. Right, Right. And I believe due to this training, not just because of me, but because they had a very proactive, brilliant uh, superior that led the team into execution and success, uh, who hired me to work with them as well. Um, It makes a tremendous difference. So leadership is crucial. And I think it starts with self-leadership. Now, self-leadership, most think, okay, I have to go up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, hit the gym, then I have to be healthy in my food, I have to perform this, I have to deliver that, I have to get running 10, 15 hours a day, come back, be the perfect father, the perfect husband. and That's not sustainable. No one can do that. And then eventually there are cracks because you cannot upkeep and sustain this rhythm forever. Humans are not robots, Right. So usually around 40 plus problems start setting in, be it with health, be it with the relationship, with the family, be it with with work, whatever the cracks show happening, um, it's where it starts to break open. We can only make tremendous efforts for so long.
0: Right. So uh, let's stop for a second. Let's unpack a few things that you said. So um, I like actually how, I like it a lot, by the way, how you consider the two areas of communication self-regulation as both uh, uh, factors for the same equation which is really building resilience you know mm-hmm. and and i like that because i think and by the way i think self-regulation also is in service of communication because self-regulation you know help you to deal with your emotions so emotion then normally mm-hmm. when you communicate in from the status of emotions then normally the communication is not as strong as it should because you know what we say is not necessarily what people hear because we you know we let emotions you know come come to play i like that and I also i like the fact that you said language you know unifying people in teams with the same language it sounds like a a basic thing might make a huge difference huge difference because language is an art of leadership so leadership is through the language so there is no other way to ex you know, to show and demonstrate, encourage people to be better leader. You know, if it doesn't stop with the language, so I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to go back a little bit more into the self regulation because I think that's very, very important. Because, you know, what what could be some good ideas or lessons that you can you know uh, take from all your experience that you have in terms of how people learn how to be self regulated, how to deal you know, with fear, with emotions, because you're right. So in a situation where there is such much uncertainty, clearly emotions, you know, have a huge play. And it's difficult to say, people, don't be emotionally engaged in a conversation. Don't be emotionally engaged in your your decision-making, right? It's difficult. So where people should start really thinking about, okay, how can I start to be self-regulated leader here? Where mm. shall they? Where shall they start from?
1: So I think um, men usually don't have a big problem with that. They just shove the emotions away and pretend they're not there most of the time. And that's most, not, not very, everyone,
0: but yes, yes gen, <laughs> that, you're right.
1: That's not a very efficient manner to deal no. with emotions because it comes back to bite you. Yes. In the situations where you least expected. Yes. And in the worst possible manner. So. A way to to learn these things is, and it can actually be really easily learned over the course of a few months. It's not rocket science in that sense. You just have to know about it. So first of all, how is the human psychology structured? You have to understand how a human behavior is engineered and works. What are the motivators behind that?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The next thing that needs to be known are the human needs. And they cannot be ignored, suppressed, denied, or pretended they're not there. These are real needs. If they're not met, there's a huge problem. Once you're aware of these things, you're already a lot better equipped to deal with whatever is happening at work. Because Mm -hmm. you can understand better where people are coming from. The next part is um, understanding yourself. And that only works through awareness. And I know it sounds esoteric or flower power, but awareness is really key because we don't know what we don't know. Hence, we can't change it, right? So it's a crucial step to become aware of what is and be honest with yourself, and just look at the situation, maybe together with the coach and see, or the trainer, strategic advisor, whoever you're working with, or the mentor. What is the current situation right now? On um totally uncovered in the sense of the the crude naked truth
0: Mm. the reality
1: Mm. what's going on how do i feel what has happened why does this happen what's the issue here my problem not projected on the outside the team the spouse the family the society the world economic market whatever how do i feel And where is it coming from? Now, I'm not saying you have to go through therapy in that sense, but at least become aware of how you feel. Am I angry? Am I mad? Am I sad? Am I upset? Am I happy? There's so many different emotions. And there's six basic emotions. And this is science. This is science-based again. And from these six basic emotions, you can then learn how to identify what's currently happening. Once you know what is happening, then you can learn how to regulate that in a healthy and productive manner, Mm -hmm. instead of just pretending it's not there. That's not efficient. Right? So those processes, they take a little bit of time, because usually they're not taught. This is not something that you learn in schools or in university or in your management courses, or in your your, uh, leadership development, uh, education, no one really talks about these things and due to the fact that I went through this entire journey over so many years and had to re-engineer success over and over and over again there's a process to that and it goes over the points that I mentioned just now one is awareness how to engineer the outcome that you're looking for and there's very steps to that and then as well becoming aware of communication using a common language moving forward towards the outcome you want to achieve be that sales be that team alignment, be that closing on stakeholders that you have to give a presentation to, all these things. Once you're aware and you have more knowledge regarding these matters, you have a whole different weight. Mm. So when you when you talk to people or when you present, you're not anymore fixated on how do I come across, how do I engineer, um the outcome in the sense of, do they think I'm, I'm good or great? Or how is it perceived? That's not the main concern anymore. The main concern then becomes is, how do I bring that message across that the listener actually can understand what the message entails? Mm. It's not about me anymore at all, right? So once we understand ourselves a lot better, then we understand the audience a lot better as well. Right. Know yourself, know the world. That's how it goes normally, right? Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we had leaders here in the in, in the podcast. They such an amazing guy, a CEO of a company in Atlanta. Ravi he said something like, you know, it's a really an inside out work. So where you need to start mm-hmm. developing a very high level. And by the way, he call it consciousness which is similar right we can can talk about the difference between awareness and consciousness but clearly said we need to build consciousness to understand really where we are also emotionally so we are if we are in the right state then to make decisions to work with others to communicate more powerfully because otherwise we will never be able to do that Mm -hmm. so i love that i mean we can go more into the dynamics of emotional uh, emotions building setup that, but i don't think that is a is a conversation for today um but i'm curious about the communication element so you are a communication expert it's clear that you know that's a one of the major areas of your work right yes. so you said it starts from sorry it's a with the awareness so we need to understand where we are you know for ourselves the context the environment the people so then it becomes more natural even speaking in front of others, right? So we are not too much concerned of, you know, how we are showing up, etc. But in reality, one of the major principles of communication, at least in my word, uh Charest, is the fact that what we say is not necessarily what people hear, right? Just for mm-hmm. the fact that we have different perception at play every single time. So we always start from our point of view about situation, right? And one of the things I notice a lot in terms of communication breakdown is the fact that we say something and people, and we believe that the people understand what we say. They hear exactly what I wanted to say, and they really get the point of what we're saying. But most of the time, they don't because, again, we started from different points of views, right? How does this, you know, um, uh, work for you? I mean, what's your experience in terms of being able? during stressful time to communicate powerful so people really understand your point of view and they get you and they don't really get stuck in their own perception or, you know, driven by maybe lack of clarity. Maybe I did not use the right words. Maybe, as you say, I didn't, I wasn't clear what the message was giving. But what's the way to break this potential gap that we have in communication between one person and another, especially when we are so stressed? mm
1: mm-hmm. So, I'm attached to the oldest coaching communication company based in America, in Boston. Mm -hmm. So we've been in business for nearly 60 years and we've worked with the White House, we teach in Harvard and MIT communication skills. We've worked with people, the who is who in business, uh, entertainment, sports and politics Mm -hmm. for the last decades, right? So I represent that company in Southeast Asia. And the things that we teach are science-based approaches to answer your question, right? So you learn, I give you concrete details instead of talking just in general, otherwise there's not much uh, meat on the bone, as I call it, right? So when we learn about communication, what's out there, then we become able to tailor a message. What does it mean? So like we are right and left-handed. In communication, there's two natural inclinations. We're either inductive or deductive oriented. And what that means is we're leading up to a point while Mm -hmm. we're thinking, or we think first and then we deliver the outcome. These are two two different types of people. And when you talk to technicians or people that are in accounting or very rational, uh, mathematical oriented, they're usually deductive. Right. When you talk to storytellers, uh, journalists, or people in PR, they're usually very inductive because they need to convey emotions, stories, colors, and everything else like that. It's not that one approach is better than the other. That's not the case. Some have mixed approaches, but a skilled communicator can use both according to the situation and the person he's talking to or she. Yes. So what I mean is, shortly, If this is deductive, you make the point first, and then you bring the result. And this is inductive. Lots of stories, lots of colors, lots of explanations. These two clash. Mm. There's no common communication. They talk like on two different highways, right? Now, if I know, if I have to give a meeting or I have to have a communication with someone who's highly deductive, I have to adapt my approach to the same level. So it then matches right yes the same thing with inductive they meet in the middle as a skilled communicator we learn how to do these things in detail the next thing is people are usually differently motivated so we have people that are motivated by ethos which means reputation awards position remuneration um, anything that makes them stand out or others are more oriented towards lovers That's facts, figures, spreadsheets, information. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is the passive-oriented ones. They are more connected to emotions, to stories, to relationships, to personal interaction. And these are tendencies. There's mixed forms as well. If it presents to a crowd only using one approach, you're going to miss out on two-thirds of the others. Yes. Right? So if we want to really address everybody now we should have within this podcast a few charts a few numbers <laughs> a few videos or images to to really match everybody's preference right within a pre- within a presentation that can be prepared now you ask me how do you do this when you're upset or angry or in a difficult situation the first step is awareness notice that you're angry upset or in a difficult situation and then what I usually do is a very specific breathing exercise that's very short. It's just three minutes that mm. brings people back to their center. Mm. You can excuse yourself to the bathroom or within a meeting. You can do it. Nobody's noticing that you're doing it. But you need to notice you're out of it. And you have to come back to into the center. And from that position, then you can choose how you communicate. Now, this is for a professional context. In a personal, private one, it's very difficult to do because we're emotionally involved, especially with our partners or children. We're not always in control because we can't. We can't be. We're not, as I said before, robots. So what then comes into play is being kind with yourself. If you're kind with yourself, it can be to others as well. So kind with yourself means I feel lousy right now i'm in a really bad state i shouldn't communicate in any very manner. let me take a step back give me some space create some boundaries and go and do something else until you're in a state where you actually can properly communicate right that's the ideal situation doesn't always work
0: no but it makes sense i mean uh, yeah i mean again you cover a few things uh, and i think personally the th- you know, if we step back to the element of communication and using different approaches, different styles, it's something mm-hmm. that even even myself, I do a lot with, you know, my clients is really letting me understand that there is no one single approach. Actually, the best leaders are able to use not only two or three, around maybe six or seven different leadership, uh, sorry, six or mm-hmm. seven communication styles based on the co- context or based on the situation. But that's that with awareness of yourself, but also awareness and knowledge of others, understanding how people normally think and react and communicate as well, in order to get the element of uh connection as you described. So pretty much I like that. Um on the other the other point that you that we were discussing about, you know, how can we do it when we're stressed, I like the idea of going back to a very central state where you are back to a situation where you can have a powerful conversation with people, right? I I like that. I think it's a very good reminder, of, especially for those people that have bad news to give, maybe, and they normally do it when emotionally, you know, they are very charged, right? Because mm-hmm. they have a, a something, you know. Especially nowadays, we you know we read a lot, a lot of leaders firing people, get you know, let people go due to the current situation, so they're giving bad news to people. But most of the time, my experience they do it when they're emotionally too much charged. So people can feel it. They don't necessarily get the power of that. Other people might say something like, Well, it's good to show emotions, right? Because it's it's you know, it's a proof that you are a human, you are genuine, you're authentic. So back to your point you said earlier. You said that you said men, they don't necessarily show, you know, their own emotions. So for them, it sounds easy, but in reality, it's not because they keep everything internally, right? So what's the right balance here? So, you know, as a leader, right? So do you want to show emotion just to, sh- to explain that you're human, you're genuine, you're authentic, and so you are essentially like the others? So you are there with your people and you show yourself, you know, in, in, in whatever shape or form, you know, he represents. And others might say, no, I don't want to show emotions in my organization. I don't want to show that I'm emotionally impacted by a situation, by, you know, by even bad news, et cetera. So is there any sort of balance? So what is the best way to build resilience in organization, either using or using emotions in other way, in other, way, in other words?
1: I think there's not one right answer to that. It's mm. a personal choice and preference, but if I can't say one thing that's really crucial and relevant is to be honest with yourself if Mm. you can so you don't have to necessarily communicate it to the outside world but at least have the self-awareness of how do you feel and what's going on right now Mm. in terms of communication i have to honestly say to you that no matter how skilled and educated and knowledgeable that you are you only deliver 50 percent of the equation Communication is between two parties. Yes. Right? yes. And it's like you wanna you wanna give something to someone else. They have to come forward to you and take it. If the other person doesn't respond or doesn't replicate in 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 the sense of is coming forward to take what you wanna give, then you're standing there with your hands full, but you, there's nowhere to go. Right? There's no
0: guarantee communi- of success in that in that perspective. No. So yes. in
1: communication, it's really the same thing, no matter how trained, skilled, knowledgeable that you are, if the other person doesn't meet you in the middle, or is not willing to work on themselves, or is not willing to even be honest with themselves about what's going on. And although you uh, mention from your observation, what you're seeing, and you give a feedback, right? Maybe saying, I think right now is not a good point to have a discussion. Let's come back to it in an hour or tomorrow at two o'clock in the afternoon. We can make an appointment, yes. for example. Some people, they just need to let off steam, right? They, they continue ranting or yelling or shouting or slamming doors. And those are the people that have very, very little self awareness and very little self regulation skills. Mm. And many times this has to do not just with themselves as communicators, but as well with triggers that come from childhood or trauma or situations that they experienced before. And they have not done the work yet. They have not worked on these areas in their life yet to choose to be able to choose a different kind of response. Mm. So showing emotions doesn't mean you have to walk around with your heart on your sleeve. That's not what I mean. It's a deliberate choice of how you use them in a conscious manner to interact with other people. Mm -hmm. Different people have different responses. And not everybody reacts the same way to what you say or what you do. But the nice thing and the beautiful thing is about, let's say a team who has learned a common language of communication they have a very clear understanding of who they are, what they want to communicate, and the proper manner and way in how it is done in detail. Mm. They know the process and the systems, and they can follow that like a flowchart. Now, anything that's out and beyond that, it's their personal choice. Right. And and once we learn this system, we understand that communication in itself has nothing to do really with us. It's about the message.
0: Mm. What do
1: we want to bring across as the message? What is relevant to the other party? And for this, we need to understand the other person who is listening. Yeah. Who are they? Where are they coming from? What's their background? Why are they here? What do they want to listen to? Why would you spend time right now listening to us in this conversation? What's the motivator behind it? And what do you get out of it? And I think the biggest thing that people that listening right now can get out of it is it can be engineered logically with a flowchart, a system that you can follow and you get the results that you're looking for. It's not a miracle thing. It's just, you have to learn the knowledge and the language behind it. That's it.
0: Right. Um, yeah, I agree. 100 percent. I think I think you're you're definitely right on this. Um it's to me that what what essentially entails is uh, we need to be a little bit more prepared before having a conversation with someone, right? So something that yes. for example, I really spend time on with my own clients is really is what's the purpose of the conversation you want to have? Mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. I really want people to be left with? And that question in my experience, I don't know what your experience, Charest, but my experience with leaders is very few leaders really think about it. They jump into conversation with others without thinking, okay, what's the message that I need to really convey today? What's the purpose? Yes. Of that? What I want to be, what I want yeah. to really leave to others, with others, you know, how people will re- react on that. You know, what are the different contexts in the conversation that we have today in our team? All these Critical questions, and one of the interesting answers I normally get when I ask this is, "We don't have a time for that, right?" So it's a lot of work. I don't have time to be prepared. I know the power. I understand the power Mm -hmm. of that, but I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth to have you know such incredible effort in my mind to think so. Uh, critically about every single aspect of a powerful communication so it was the person how you know how this person is gonna react you know what's the message was the purpose et cetera. so I think there is a lot of work to do um, in the the context
1: I think the anticipation of how someone is reacting that's a waste of time yeah you don't know how they're gonna react because they have their own thoughts they have maybe they have a bad day maybe something happened, you, you you cannot control another person's reaction. That's an illusion. It doesn't work that way. Um, what you can control is yourself. Yes. And that's Never. the key factor. So when I work with um, uh, executives, the interesting part many times is and we wouldn't believe it. Um, sometimes they really feel is there's something wrong with me. Mm. Because XYZ doesn't work. And no, there's nothing wrong in that sense. It's just you don't have the knowledge yet. Once you have it, you can do it and it's delivering the results, right?
0: Yes. So
1: saying you don't have the time for that is like you have a Lamborghini driving on the highway and you're walking, right?
0: And yeah, the, we know he's drivers, always in his excuse anyway, right? So the driver,
1: the driver stops next to you and says you want to ride, and then they say, No, I'm busy, I have to walk, I have to and have another two hundred kilometers to go, right? And and yes, it's a lack of awareness and understanding.
0: That's agreed. the problem. I agreed, I yeah. agreed 100 percent Right. So Sherez, that that's amazing. We're approaching a little bit the end of that conversation, but I still have one question about is resilience. Mm-hmm. So going back to you know, we mentioned as a Recap, you know, language, so mm-hmm. community language, the way how we talk and uh, mm-hmm. how we learn through awareness to be self-regulating our way, how we deal with our own emotions, etc. What else mm-hmm. is important for leaders to understand in terms of resilience? So when we talk about resilience, right? So we want to be more resilient organization. And we said, you know, through these elements, through these factors, is there anything else that is important based on your experience? And maybe to also based on your personal experience, how you build your leadership through resilience. What else you need to consider to become a, re- a resilient leader in the modern days?
1: So I think it's a whole wide range of topics that mm. are relevant. Mm. I work with the key eight. I developed this approach. And what it does is it looks in every single relevant area of your life. So from your health, to your uh relationships, emotions, to your value-belief system, to how you're connected and interconnected to everything else, to how you give back, what's your legacy, what do you want your legacy to be, as well as um what does, what is your contribution, right? Right. Not in the sense of money that you want to pass on later on in 10 or 20, 30 years, but right now, today, in this very moment. What are you gonna do today? to contribute back in some way, in some shape, and some form. And then, of course, business and finance. How is this all structured? And we look at every area systematically, do an assessment in the morning out of the eight points, give a rating, you rate yourself, take the two lowest points, define two action steps, and then during the day, you're going to execute on those two. So every day you have success experiences, step by step, little by little by little. As you said, in the very beginning of the conversation, it leads to exponential result. Mm. Because small, small steps over time lead to tremendous outcome. And it's not as overwhelming as when you think I have to change everything. I have to do this. I have to do that. Uh, Everybody wants a piece of me. No, less is more. If you want to go fast, go slow, slow and steady and solid and look for the things that are truly relevant. There's so much noise. The Pareto rules is 80 and 20%, right? Mm-hmm. To focus on the 20% that make the real difference. But how do you do that? How do you define what's truly relevant and what is not? How do you do that?
0: Right. Yeah, it's good. I mean, uh, definitely an interesting framework. And I, I like the fact that there are different areas where you really need to focus on on building your own level of resilience. And I suppose driving your team too in the same, in the same way. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. Yes. So based on your experience of you know, working with a lot of C-suite leaders, you know, CEOs and C-suites, what do you see right now in terms of their, their main challenges they face right now, given the current situation? So what do they really need to focus on besides what we already discussed?
1: Mm-hmm. I think my personal opinion is you have to realign your team In whatever company you're at, behind the purpose, what are you actually doing and why are you doing it? And the reason that is, is when things get tough and hard and there's no alignment in vision and mission and purpose, it's very easy to get scattered. So everybody starts doing something somehow, somewhere, and there's no real glue that holds the whole thing together. Mm. But the purpose is really important because. It gives a pride of ownership. Why do I do what I do in the first place? Why are we working for this corporation? Why are we trying to achieve the goals that we want to achieve? And if it's just money by itself alone, that's not sufficient as a motivator long-term. Yeah, Because people can earn money in different ways, right? They want to feel... Being a part of something that makes a difference, that has an impact, that has a real significance, not just to themselves but for others as well, in some way or manner. right? Yes. So when we look at the human needs, um, one is uh, uh, certainty. Then we have uncertainty and the um, variety, right? it's love and connection and that's not just romantic love it's any form of human interaction nobody's Mm. an island the next one is significance if we work in a place where we feel it doesn't matter what we're doing it doesn't have an impact neither for ourselves nor for others then why are we doing it there's no motivation anymore and then the next is growth we want to grow we want to be able to grow and evolve and learn and develop If people are stuck in a position where there's no growth or personal growth or professional growth, they're going to leave. If they don't leave, most of the time they get depressed because it's against human nature. We naturally want to grow. And contribution. People need to be able to contribute. So everyone wants to see, everybody wants to feel seen, heard, respected. And appreciate it no matter which level yes. they're, work it, they're yes. working they're working at
0: 100
1: yeah so to put the systems in place the structures or the the validations on a regular basis within a company that does that is really important for resilience so people feel aligned they have a purpose they know why they're here they know why they're working here despite difficulties and challenging times they know <clears throat> we're going to come out on the other side because
0: yes yes there's a reason there is a meaning of what or the work right because otherwise there's no point agreed 100 percent. and going back to the purpose is something that unfortunately not every organization <clears throat> does so they they take it for granted as as if they think they know where they're going but that's not clear the purpose of the organization is not clear besides or despite the fact that they put something you know on the wall because that's not really the, the real purpose of their work
1: so the main key point here then is how do you communicate that to the company mm. to the employees throughout the levels and all the systems and then we're back to the language right
0: absolutely everything everything absolutely makes absolutely sense sure that was an amazing conversation so um where people yeah. should go if they want to know more about your work
1: um i have a link tree which is linktree slash st wilkinson. otherwise um you can connect with me on info at resilientpower.global or you can google my name there's a lot of things online so people will well. find
0: people will find you definitely will find you <laughs> <laughs> sure yes. thank you so much for the conversation it was brilliant i think you're we welcome un- we unpacked a few things that were They are super important for people. And and I'm I'm glad that we had this conversation. So thanks again for, uh, for being part of the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me.